to 9-11, I'll pull up that screen. because Hello, everybody. Oh, sorry. It's all right. It's pre-recorded. It's right, yeah. Not even live. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me um, get a pen so I can time up that. Get these. Put this over <clears> here. <throat> all right. Huge thank you to Ryan Dawson for coming back. He's been a friend of the channel for many, many years. Was the tip of the spear on the Jeffrey case. And his research goes back decades. So today we are going to be discussing Russell Brand first, and then we're going to be discussing the Twin Towers. If you are watching this on the YouTube version, we're going to have to move the balance of it over to locals because of the censorship on this platform. But the Russell Brand stuff should be okay on here. So, Ryan, I, I like the, the Jeffrey case. It's a nice way of putting it and making it YouTube friendly. <laughs> they, they know what that is, I assume. Uh, Jeffrey from the Caribbean or something. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. And, you know, weaponizing assaults on women and kids, minors. You know, this channel and what you campaign for, we go after the monsters who engage in this kind of activity we expose them we research the hell out of them we put videos out there and we're familiar mm -hmm. with the traits characteristics and how this goes down but labeling someone that who has not done that is an extremely powerful weapon for two reasons that i've observed and one is that there's no consequences usually for the accusers and the second mm -hmm. is irrespective of innocence or guilt that stink stays with that person forever so i'm trying to put this in the context of what's going on here with russell brand i don't know if he's innocent or guilty but it does look like because he's been speaking out a bit about big oil big pharma big military that he has a target on his back and 9-11 right after 9-11 just a little bit you know and i'm glad you pointed this out like we've we've literally mapped this out with the jeffrey case with nygaard case with the the people engaged in that thing for real um and in that case going well below 18 for those people. And so you start to recognize a profile and you also start to recognize that when someone is a Savile or a Schofield or a uh, Woody Allen or, you know, down the list, the media doesn't get into it at all. You know, they'll, they'll accuse Andrew Tate, but not the other Andrew, Prince Andrew. He just la-di-da, barely any punishment for the things that he obviously did. And, but when the media wants to go after somebody, it always seems to be someone who's going against the grain, against the Mexican beer or against one of these wars and against some of these things I'm not even allowed to say, because if this goes on YouTube, that's, that's something that, you know, Google and the three letter networks involved in it won't let you, won't even let you talk about. So, it's weird when they all start talking about all at the same time, which was the case for Russell Brand. They had, you know, his picture and the title printed on the papers and they all came out all at the same time. It's too coordinated, it's too well-timed. And this is one of the smears they do. And we can, I can quickly walk through some examples of people they've accused of R-word or the other R-word racism, because that's another one that gets used a lot because there doesn't even have to be a victim. You can say that about anybody and it's very hard for them to prove otherwise because you have to show like what's going on in your head or something. There doesn't even have to be anybody who is offended or a victim of it. They can just say, yeah, you're, 
you're this. And then, you know, you don't like this group or that. I remember when Joe Rogan had a certain doctor on his show about the thing that we're not allowed to talk about, kind of debunking the state narrative. The next day, they had used AI to comb through all his podcasts until they found an incident of the N-word. And it, it was just like a Richard Pryor joke that he was like, verbatim quoting or something he wasn't saying it at somebody or anything joe rogan's not a racist everybody knows this but they and they knew people would know that but they tried to smear him with it anyway and he had to come out and apologize for even like saying it in a descriptive sense you're not even using the word they went after him and then they even put a filter on him and told everyone that he was taking horse to wormer i mean it was non-stop and it was a coordinated attack you saw cnn you saw the bbc you saw msnb all the little networks all at the same time, all with the same catchphrases, claiming he's a racist and claiming he's using horse to wormer for the thing we're not allowed to say. None of it was true. He's not a racist. And that your audience can figure out the other part. Like, yeah, if that's not what that is, <laughs> you know, it was a real medicine. And so they went after him. You could see it with Julian Assange. Remember, the earliest accusations for him wasn't about hacking, it was about R word. And then it turned out actually that was consensual and da, da, da. he wasn't guilty of that, but they decimated his character with that accusation. Anyway, they used the racist accusations recently on RFK jr. They were calling him anti-Semitic and they did the same with Roger waters from pink Floyd, who has been against dictatorships. He's doing the brick in the wall forever, but they just didn't like his policies about foreign country. A that's occupying their neighbors and I've met him a few times. Cool guy. Definitely not a racist, but they went with that anyway. And Kennedy either. He's he's worked with everyone from every background. And so did his parents. And so did his uncle. They're not like that. Um, man, his father campaigned with MLK <laughs> and both of them got shot. But they they tried to get him with that. Ron Paul, they smeared Dr. Paul's Mr. Libertarian. They called him a racist. Yeah, there's racist newsletters from 50 years ago that he didn't write and were not racist. And whatever. That was the one thing they could find. Now, I think the other accusation is even worse. The other R word, which you can't say, whereas they've gone after both the Tate brothers, although I think it's been dropped in Tristan's case. Now it's like a millionaire was shaving off TikTok earnings. It was so stupid. And... They said it about Donald Trump. Actually, Trump got both. They called him racist and the other thing. And the woman came on TV and said, well, that action isn't physical. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> like, it has to be. And so, you know, he got it. And then more recently, and Assange got it. Both the Tates got it. And now Russell Brand, apparently something from like 14 years ago or something has come up all of a sudden and it's all these women all at once it's very similar to what happened to rogan the very similar kind of belling cat adl style where they all do carl rove's famous message force multipliers everybody say the same catchphrase so that the plebs will go around repeating the catchphrase on social media because you're allowed to defame somebody who goes against the war and all the things you're not allowed to talk about on facebook and everywhere else twitter you know, post Elon is the only place where you can kind of actually discuss it. That's a major platform. You could go on Gab or something, but if you, of the big ones, Twitter's the only one where you're allowed to actually say, speak freely because, <laughs> you know, hate speech is just people who hate speech is what it is. 
And I don't, I'm like you, I don't know whether he's innocent or not, but I always presume innocence until proven guilty with all these people. You should, when it's something's that serious, Hey, if I wait for the evidence before you start condemning somebody, something that serious, but just off the way, the timing and the coordination of the attacks and watching his content on and off and how far removed it is from the alleged, uh, you know, when it supposedly took place, I'm not buying this at all it's always somebody going against the grain i would love to have somebody from congress or the equivalent in the uk or whatever government have the same scrutiny go through their cell phone records all that stuff that the tate brothers have gone through you're gonna find all kinds of amazing things you know the fact that that's all you could get is um, like shows just how squeaky clean some of these people are and russell brand was that's, I mean, he was promiscuous and was very open and very transparent about that in his youth. That's not illegal, but he's married. He's got, I think he's got two kids and one on the way. He's a religious man, spiritual man. He's kind of a Christian mystic. He's got a, well, it, it, it'd be, <laughs> I can't really define, he has his beliefs and he's very serious about it. And he's, he never, he didn't do that stuff. What it is, is they don't like what he's saying. He's blown up on Rumble. He's one of the top channels over there. That's a competitor to, to the one that doesn't let you speak. <laughs> and they don't like it. And so I see a witch hunt there. Now we'll see what evidence there is, whatever. Maybe, hey, maybe he's, he's the new Jeffrey, but I don't think so. He doesn't fit the profile at all. Uh, he's been very open about how he, you know, drugs, all kinds of stuff he used to do. I don't see it, but I, it does fit the pattern of somebody breaking the mold, going against the system as all those people are listed. You got another one is Jeremy Corbyn, whose politics I don't agree with at all, but they accused him of being anti-Semitic. Like what? No, the guy's not a racist. Um, and maybe some of your audience likes him, whatever. He wasn't guilty of that, but they, they dragged him through the dirt with that. And it was so bad Al Jazeera actually did a documentary on a particular lobby from a place I will not say, showing that, yes, it's it's Nancy Pelosi's old wrap-up smear. You know, they make some stuff up and merchandise it, she says. And then they have their moles in the press repeat it. Then they quote the press for what's essentially their own garbage, and it's called a wrap-up smear. It's very similar to what the neocons did with the all the lies that ran up to the led up to the war, second war in Iraq. They would get like the the INC, the Iraqi National Congress, which is a little think tank of neocons created with Ahmed Shalabi, a bank frauder, and da 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 da. And the Office of Special Plans would put out a bunch of garbage. Judith Miller, William Sapphire, a couple reporters in the Times would repeat it. And then they would quote the New York Times and say, see, so-and-so said it. And, said, and the Times is quoting them. Uh, unnamed government sources said, blah, blah, blah. And it was just a circle of deception. And everything, And we, if we're going to talk about 9-11, we're going to get into that anyway. Because you can't divorce 9-11 from the Iraq War. Because they blamed 9-11 on Saddam. They said he gave anthrax to a, a hijacker. He didn't. But that, that was one of the lies. And we'll, I guess we'll address that in a bit. But... My opinion, I think Russell Brand is innocent and they're they're just on a witch hunt because he has a lot of influence with the youth, as does everyone else I just named, and they don't like what he says, and this is a way to discredit him. And it's also a way to 
to put him on defense. Like he's going to have to deal with this instead of talking about whatever else he wanted to talk about today. He's going to have to be dealing with this mess the rest of the year. Well, it is effective because the last video he posted was on Friday and he was putting up daily videos. Now you touched on Savile and the definitive expose book on Savile is called In Plain Sight. So the Channel 4 Dispatches program was called In Plain Sight. And then they put this clickbait uh, excerpt of Russell talking to Savile into the documentary whereby Savile asks Russell to bring his sister. And he says, I don't have a sister, but I can bring my sister. This was the kind of humor he was getting paid to do by none other than Channel 4 back then, who made millions of sponsorships for all this Big Brother stuff. But tying him into Savile is effective. So my parents watch mainstream media and they absorb it. And after watching the Channel 4 thing, my dad sent me this voice note. I'll play it for you now. Mm. And this, this just shows how effective these strategies are. How would are. Russell know what Savile was doing at that time? Samuel are incredible, really, although the age is a lot different to the ladies. Um, but it's, it's just disgusting, really. And a lot of the companies um, enabled him because he wanted money off it. It was just quite like Savile. So, my, you know, my parents have watched it and they've bought into it, and the, the Savile thing in particular has affected them. But, but this, you know, this is how cunning these orchestrators of dark propaganda are, isn't it? It is. And I forgot to mention when they were smearing Rogan, they also tried to cancel his Spotify and Spotify actually did remove oh, like 18 shows or something. And every single one of them was with the conservative. <laughs> That's the ones they canceled. It, even like Ben Shapiro is pretty normie war supporter and everything, but he's not on the woke agenda for the uh, alphabet people or whatever. And so they wanted that canceled. Peter Schiff, there's one libertarian too. But anything, you know, not to the extreme far left is what they removed. It's like, huh, it's almost like you had a list of what to get rid of already. But the contract for him was so huge and so new that they're not going to cancel Joe Rogan. And if that were to happen today, I think it would be like what Tucker Carlson did. Tucker Carlson had the highest rated show for cable news in the United States and jumped right to X platform, formerly known as Twitter. And now even more people see him. <laughs> more people are interested because he got fired. They go, wow, I really want to hear him now. Cause I know a lot of people that are like, I don't want, I'm not going to watch Fox, just not going to watch it. And I say, well, Tucker's okay. This other guy, Jesse Waters is okay. Sometimes but when he got on Twitter, he took the gloves off. Victor Orban interview, Doug McGregor interview. <laughs> it's like, man, yeah, he took it, and now he's doing better. And I think if that if that had been an option back when all this was happening to Rogan, he would have gone straight to Twitter, not mess with any of this. Now he got, I think he got like 108 million, which is pretty good even for him for the Spotify deal. But they're probably kicking themselves because people just take Rogan's stuff and repost it on Twitter anyway. Now, so I don't know. How, but how it's effective. This it's out? like, oh, this guy, and you know, this is the thing: is guilt by association. Like, oh, this guy's in a picture with this guy. Or this person, it's really loose associations. And when I made this map, you know, I didn't just grab everybody from the black book. I had to find real evidence of wrongdoing. Just knowing somebody isn't a crime. And you billionaires network with all kinds of people, but that doesn't mean they all took the bait. 
or that they all assisted him in or abetting his crimes, the fiddling and the um, and the white collar crimes. A lot of them didn't know what he was up to. How and I imagine Russell Brand out? had no idea what Savile, you know, what he did in the dark. How do you think this plays out for Russell Brand then? Does he end up in legal limbo like Andrew Tate or does he go full Julian Assange? I don't think he'll get the Assange treatment. Because we did interview because Assange was, if, if you look at it, it's like, it's weird because Julian Assange, and from, from someone like me, everything he said, I was like, duh. <laughs> yes, we kill civilians, duh. I mean, I wasn't shocked by any of the information, but it was just from such a credible source because they had built him up to go against China and stuff, and he 180 judo flipped, judo flipped it and just started criticizing both parties. He criticized Hillary. And when he went after the left is when the whole media turned on him. They didn't care what he said about the right. They didn't care how much they condemned Bush's wars and stuff. That was okay. It's when he started going after the left, which is runs the FBI and everything. They just hammered him. It was all these accusations, all bull. And then he's held up in an embassy and in prison. And it's ridiculous. And one of the key witnesses was Thor Thorinson, the guy from Iceland, the, the young guy from Iceland. Somebody can look it up. Just admitted, yeah, none of that. <laughs> he didn't, he's not guilty of any of this hacking. That was me. It just, and that it doesn't matter. Like, what is he even charged with at this point? I don't think Brandon is as a big a threat to the system as Julian Assange, but it's, he's still a big enough threat to get the Tate treatment. He could end up in jail for a couple months. And even if he's exonerated at the end of it, it, it doesn't matter. Like he, that will linger with him forever. If people will be like, well, our guy's a freaking artist and your character, the, the, what can you do about it? I mean, the assault, I mean, they destroy your reputation. And so, and it, it's going to hurt the Tates too. No matter what happens, the, that the people in that case are so polarized that either love them or hate them. Whatever the results are, they're just going to say, "Well, the side that's unhappy with it will say, well, the Romanian legal system is just corrupt or whatever.' They're going to get bribed." Blah, 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 blah. Both sides will say that, no matter what happens. If he gets out, or if he stays, if he goes back, that's what they're going to do. They just blame it on that because they don't look at evidence. It's um, People decide what's true, a lot of people, based on whatever is psychologically gratifying. And it's it's very hard for people for, to be objective about these kind of things. They're far removed. And I say, hey, man, you're talking about somebody's freedom. I don't care if you personally like him or not. I don't care if you like Russell Brand's views on economics or whatever, or that the Tates had a webcam business. You're talking about somebody's life. And if they're not doing an actual crime, it, it, who cares if you think they're degenerate or a Fruit Loop or whatever? That's a real person with a real life. You can't just put somebody in a cage because you don't like them. Very but good. That seems points. to be a lot of people that don't like Russell Brand just didn't like him anyway. Oh, he's a hippie. Now, I like I like both. I, I think they're all entertaining. But if I didn't like them, I would still say the same things as I did for Jeremy Corbyn. I don't like him, but he's definitely not a racist. <laughs> so we had uh, one of the Tate's lawyers on, uh, McBride, the other night, and he was very optimistic about the case. 
You speak to the Tates. Uh, how optimistic are they presently? I, I don't think they're worried about the so much about uh, what they've been accused of. It's more or less how are they going to fix the reputation that's been drugged through the mud, you know? And I'm and I don't really have a good answer. Like I don't know. You just got to get people who also have good reputations to vouch for you. It, it's just I I looked at that case and it's just <laughs> it's really it's ridiculous. And it I don't think it was just. I mean, her name's out, Emma Gabby. It's not. It's not just this girl who's done the same game and dance with several other men. By the way, um, this or there's organization here, and I believe it's Bellingcat. And I, I mean, I'll just put a pin in that because I know a lot of the anonymous trolls that are the Tate haters. They all. It's why don't you have a real name? Why aren't you a real journalist? Because it's Bellingcat. These are the same people that made up the stories about Litvinenko and Scripple and Russian hacking and uh, you know a lot of propaganda about I don't know if I'm allowed to say the war in Ukraine you can edit that out if not okay I'll, they, I'll write that down keep going the war the big war that's going on in Europe and they also lied about Syria and I'm like on the edge like can I say that on YouTube because <laughs> I mean, for what other war? But yeah, they they've been caught red-handed lying about this uh, over and over again. And I know, I know, <laughs> I have some of the same enemies, and I've seen, I've got moles in their Telegram groups and stuff because I this is what I do. I figure out these kind of things, and they're a bunch of Tate haters, and it has nothing to do with what they're being accused of. They just don't like what they're saying, and that they have so much influence over the youth. That's what they're scared of. Brand and the Tates have enough influence to sway an election. Especially so, Andrew Tate. He was the top Google person, you know. Don't they have to take him to trial soon or something? Because it's been going on for so long. Yeah. And, you know, that's the other thing is they waited the maximum amount of time that they could hold him. On. So they went from, from jail to house arrest to now they're, it's this weird thing. They're confined to Romania. So they leave the house, but not the country, you know, and they've tapped all their stuff and gone through their phones. And it's a, you know, no one should have to put up with all that because a girl at a party boyfriend called and said, where are you? Are you? Cause she's posting it on social media. He told her to leave. She's like, Oh, I can't leave. Cause she didn't want to. And so he called the embassy and said she was kidnapped <laughs> and they did like a SWAT raid. Of, this is how stupid this whole thing is. Anyway. Yeah. That, It'll it'll go to trial. I don't know when because they what they do is like every month they would give a mother, you know, another 30 days house arrest. And then they get to the end of that and it would happen again. And one judge already looked at it and said, this is ridiculous and out. One was steadfast against it. Like even two of the victims who say we're not victims. They're like, yeah, you are. You're just brainwashed. You don't know it. (laughs) So it really depends on the judge There's three judges. And so it does look like it's going their direction because they are out of house arrest. And the other major thing is Elon allowed them back on the X platform because if they weren't allowed to say their side of the story on X and none of their, all their followers got banned and stuff. Cause that's what the old X would have done. All of social media and mass media, BBC, the rest would have just trashed these guys. 
and neither one of them would be able to go talk to Tucker Carlson and say their side of things and have it be seen by millions of people on Twitter platform. No way. They probably couldn't have done that on Fox either. People are going to realize Elon Musk has saved free speech. If he, you know, if he can survive the assault from the ADL on his advertisers and everything, they're going to realize that this guy broke the media monopoly of deception. If that had existed in 2002, there wouldn't have been a war in Iraq. If free speech had existed at any of these points, there wouldn't have been a first war. There wouldn't, none of these things would have, there wouldn't have been a Vietnam. There wouldn't have been any of this stuff because every single one of these disasters starts with deception and it comes from the press and they're always uniform about it. They all lied about the signal intelligence. They all lied about weapons of mass destruction. They all lied about Assad gassing his own people and pre-crimes for Gaddafi and all the, you know, BS we've heard. They would, they didn't talk about a war in Donbass for eight years, act like what, what's going on? Nothing. Right. So, I mean, how, how can that not be on purpose? You can't. It's, it is on purpose. It's intentional. We don't have a free press. We haven't had a free press since Lincoln shut down all the papers. It, it's been a marriage of government and state, and it's worse in Canada, and it's even worse than that in the UK. Right, That's pretty low. When you're lower than Canada, ouch. <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, we are now going over to locals, so Ryan can say what the bloody hell he wants about the Twin Towers. <sighs> Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me get that tab open. Let's see how I, I hit present, Jeez, share dude. screen. Yeah. That was really good so far. Thanks. Uh, yeah. I don't know enough about Brand's case. Is that sharing? Let's see. Uh, I put it up there for you. I suck at tech. Oh, it is something. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So September 11th, we're going to get into 911. All right. Yes, please. Let's do. Everybody strap in. Now, this this could be a 10 hour show. But so what I'm going to do is <laughs> focus on stuff I think people haven't heard or don't know enough about. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to do stuff that I think all of you've heard about the collapses in Building Seven and all that stuff a million times. So I'm going to skip it. Because if I don't skip some of it, we'll never get out of here. So what I've done, and I've compiled some stuff directly on the evidence of foreign involvement. And let's see, I'll scroll on down. Do you want to start with the Saudis or the Israelis? <laughs> Ooh, what would you prefer? I think the Saudis is faster, so we can maybe the th grab the them. The thing is as well, Ryan, you can make this into a series if you want, rather than doing, uh, shortening it or making it into a long episode if, if we do like around an hour um and then just come back and keep it going something like that yeah i mean if you wanna we'll just what i'll do is we'll do this saudis and then israelis and maybe the the bomb video and then we'll skip the 9-11 commission and the anthrax and the all the all that stuff like that's another show but this video is describing the nyland truth movement because <laughs> One of the best smoke screens for September 11th has been the these like cult of Alex Jones that runs around saying a bunch of disinformation and the same thing with COVID-19. You had people that thought viruses aren't real and all this stuff that they do a disservice when they're denying airplanes or they're focusing on nanothermite and all this 
stuff, miniature nukes, holograms, that any serious person that I approach to talk to about September 11th, they're going to roll their eyes and go, oh, God, another one of those. Because what most people have heard is just the the BS from Loose Change and Richard Gage and, you know, these charlatans that have got amplified, whereas anyone that was accurate, uh, you got completely canceled off everything. I got kicked off MySpace even for talking about this. So here it is about the truth movement and what people need to know. 9-11 truth has been running around in circles. The investigative path has centered on the what and not the who. The inquiry was derailed away from the logistics and financing, post-attack anthrax and invasions, which cover means and motive, over to hair-splitting rants about physics, mainly Building 7. This, hey, just asking questions group, quickly devolved into discrediting nonsense ranging from pods and missiles to futuristic energy weapons and miniature nukes in the buildings, living hijackers and even holograms. Unwilling to be associated with the paranoids and kooks, many more rational people keep their view about 9-11 private. There is also something off-putting about the way 9-11 noobs preach their spoon-fed talking points with the same zeal as a religious cult, CrossFit vegan Bitcoin buyers pushiness and dogmatism. There's no reason to run in circles. There's a lot of evidence showing a cover-up. There's a lot of evidence showing the CIA's counterintelligence, the same people who covertly supported ISIS and Al-Qaeda in Syria and Libya, who with other foreign states backed Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, and lied about Iraq, were protecting Al-Qaeda on 9-11. A year ago, the U.S. Senate finally released a formally redacted 28-page section of the Senate's investigation into 9-11, called the JIS Report. The content covers state-sponsored financial support for 9-11 hijackers. This information was already known and explained in my film, The Empire Unmasked. Saudi Arabian state officials financed 9-11 hijackers through intermediaries. This is Prince Bandar bin Sultan, more widely known by his nickname, Bandar Bush, given to him because of his close ties with the Bush family. He was the Saudi ambassador to the U.S. at the time of 9-11. His wife gave money to the wife of Osama Basnan, a man who idolized Osama bin Laden. Basnan's wife gave money to the wife of Omar Bayoumi, who gave financial support to and briefly lived with two 9-11 hijackers, Nawaf al-Hazmi and Khalid al-Midhar, who were both on Flight 77, who had both fought in Bosnia and who had both fought in Chechnya before, and both of whom went to an Al-Qaeda summit meeting in Malaysia and both of whom had lived with briefly Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the Al-Qaeda mastermind of 9-11. Prince Bandar eventually became the Director of General Intelligence for Saudi Arabia, like Saudi Arabia's CIA. This was a position held for a long time by his wife's brother, Prince Turkey bin Fasil Assad. Prince Turkey, with his uncle, set up institutions to help the CIA launder money 
to proxy forces, including Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. Pakistan's ISI also joined the U.S., CIA, and the Saudis in these efforts. Wow, this is fascinating, man. Yeah, and that picture was of the Private Manning's leak on KSM. So it's going to pick up. A bin Laden enthusiast, Bandar's wife, paid the wife of Osama Basnan, who paid the wife of Omar Bayoumi, who paid the hijackers. Basnan was introduced to the 9-11 hijackers by Omar Bayoumi. Basnan moved in and lived across the street from the hijackers. His wife used the CIA's longtime favorite, Riggs Bank, to pay the wife of Omar Bayoumi. Omar met with the hijackers in L.A. and got them an apartment. He signed their lease and lived with them for the first month. Omar was also a ghost employee for Urkan, a Saudi front, which paid him leading up to 9-11. His contacts also assisted the hijackers. The CIA already knew Al-Hazmi and Al-Midhar were bad news, yet they traveled to the U.S. using their real names, and the CIA didn't inform the FBI the Senate investigation on this matter relied heavily, if not exclusively, on FBI field office reports from different regions, with their focus primarily being on the two West Coast hijackers. But what about the other 17 hijackers? And what about the other full field investigation reports on 9-11, particularly from New York, New Jersey, and Florida, where 15 of them lived? The reason I knew and preemptively released the information the Senate had redacted and kept from the public for 15 years is because I used FOIAs to read the same primary sources that they did. There's much more on the Saudi role in 9-11 not contained in the 28 pages. And more importantly, they were not the only state actor. There are 1,800 pages worth of full field investigation reports of involvement in 9-11. And it goes well beyond the infamous dancing is art student spiring. Had at least five different moving companies they used as fronts, one of which was used by a 9-11 hijacker. Like the Saudis, they too lived next door to and followed around 9-11 hijackers. The Mossad celebrated the 9-11 attacks. In fact, two operatives were the first cousins of the pilot who hijacked Flight 93. But it goes much deeper than that. Now that's huge. The bell means Israel because I didn't know if this would be on or off YouTube. But what I just said is huge there because you have a 9-11 hijacker whose first cousin is a Israeli intelligence operative. And this here it is in the New York Times. I've screenshot it and clipped it. That's Ali al-Jara. That's the cousin. It says, one of Mr. Jara's cousins, Zaid al-Jara, was among the 19 hijackers. So that's, and he was supposedly the pilot on Flight 93. And so, and this is the Times. I can click through on this, maybe. So that just saying, I didn't write this. Here's the real New York Times. So I'll go back a sec. That is really damning information. And I, <laughs> this is just a clip out of a movie I made. It's five hours long on September 11th, but you know, I, <laughs> there was nowhere to put it because you know, you know, everything gets banned off everything. But here, let's finish this. Oh, shoot. 9-11. You don't have to use, have to use the bell because we're not, it's not on YouTube. Yeah, I don't, well, I wasn't hitting the bell. I hit the bell in the recording 
because I oh. made re- I edited my video and put bells in it just in case it was going to be on YouTube. Gotcha. <laughs> so, gotcha. okay. but it just it's it's Israel, 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 Mossad. That's all the bell was. Okay. I don't think the bells in the rest of them. Cousins of the pilot who hijacked Flight 93, but it goes much deeper than that. So right there, I screenshotted it. Um, this is from the Joint Inquiry Senate investigation in September 11th. And there in the highlight, it says, evidence that Al-Bayoumi provided assistance to Al-Hazmi and Al-Midhar is solid. Al-Bayoumi wow. then co-signed their lease and may have paid for their first month's rent with a security deposit. That's very alarming. So you have, to, to recap, because I know it's a bunch of names, but... You had the head of the equivalent of Saudi Arabia's CIA with Bandar Bush and his wife, Prince Haifa, Princess, sending money to intermediaries who then gave them not only money to 9-11 hijackers, Nawif al-Hazmi and Khalid al-Midhar, who were on Flight 77. They got him a house. They paid for the rent. One of them got a job at a gas station he helped them with. And they lived with them. Because these guys couldn't speak English, couldn't get along. Now, that's weird for some random Muslim tourists in California to get picked up by employees of not just the Saudi state, but the head of GID, their CIA. What's going on? And then why? Well, okay, if, if it was just some weird coincidence, they're just being altruistic and helping some random people who could speak hmm. English. Why would you cover it up and redact the pages, 28 pages in a row that had information about this? All the way up until 2016, that information was hidden. Now, we got the information anyway from private manning leaks, Operation Encore. I had a DOD leaker, and it was out there. But it wasn't, it wasn't officially admitted like by the Senate, for example, uh, well, it was in 2002, but it didn't get unredacted until 2016. And I think part of why they did unredact it is so many people like us had were just telling the story anyway. We knew what was going yeah. on. So wow. they, we sort of forced them to. And there you have right there, because look, Al-Qaeda did do 9-11. Does this whole stuff like, oh, there's the hijackers still alive? No, Al-Qaeda did it. But Al-Qaeda was not then and has never been separate from intelligence agencies. When Al-Qaeda was created in Afghanistan to fight the Soviets, it was diaspora fighters joining the Mujahideen and that sort of civil war at war with the Soviet Union. And the United States through BCCI with ISI, which is Pakistan CIA and the Saudis, particularly with Tim Osman, also known as Osama bin Laden, who now is Osama bin Laden use their money to pay for mercenaries. And so these Islamic jihadists, as well as the madrasas that are financed by the CIA all over the world, make these radicalized fighters that were used in Bosnia, Chechnya, and two wars against Russia, uh, the coal bombing, 9-11, and so on. And it's very similar method to what happened in a very famous scandal in the United States called the Iran-Contra affair. The Iran-Contra affair, which also involved the Israelis, it's named that way because they use proceeds from contraband to Iran to pay for mercenaries in Nicaragua. The Contras were fighting with the Santanistas in Nicaragua. The Santanistas had outed uh, the Somoza family dynasty 
which the Israelis didn't like because the Somoza family had been gun running weapons from the United States to Israel for two generations. And the entire time this was going on, Ronald Reagan said, we're against the Contras because they had openly assassinated a journalist on and filmed it, shot him. Very similar to the Nick Berg beheading we found later. And yet, secretly, the CIA, and you've got to remember, George Bush Sr. is the vice president. He used to be a CIA director. It was aiding the Contras the whole time. Training pilots, and they trained a lot of these pilots in Mena, Arkansas, the governor of which at that time becomes a future president. His name was Bill Clinton. And they were training pilots to bring the guns in to the Contras and bring the cocaine out to the United States. Because aside from the contraband of uh, like um, fighter jet parts and stuff they were sending to Iran, a lot of it was also paid for by narcotics. Illegal narcotics coming into the U.S., guns and trained pilots going out, fighting this long war. And about 40,000 people died in that war in Nicaragua between the Santanistas and the Contras. And it, they got caught because the plane crashed full of drugs. And Ollie North and Poindexter and all these people were on this. It was like the O.J. Simpson trial. Everyone was watching Iran Contra on TV. And Ollie North was their star witness. He, he said, we wanted to deny... We wanted plausible deniability. We wanted to be able to deny an operation. So he's explaining why they have these layers, compartments, and stuff, and protecting Reagan. And then Bush becomes president. He just commutes the sentences of most of them. But they were convicted of conspiracy, and then they get commuted. But officially, it was a conspiracy. They absolutely did it. They got caught, and it was never fixed. It was that they didn't gut the CIA. That what should have happened didn't happen. And the public was kind of confused as to, well, why are we aiding the Contras? Are we fighting communists or something? No. So that was pretty similar operation in 9-11. You had a real group. Contras are real. Al-Qaeda is real. But they were secretly getting state assistance. And Al-Qaeda was getting assistance from the Saudis and the Israelis and the U.S. Because that network, also set up by Bush Sr., had existed since 1976. They made a working group called the Safari Club. And it was in reaction to the OPEC weapon. If people living in the U.S. in the 70s can all remember the giant gas lines because the OPEC countries decided to weaponize gas. They made a cartel and they said in reaction to the Yom Kippur War, where Israel attacked all their neighbors in 1973, that they were going to withhold gas. And so to break the cartel, Bush looked around and saw who's got the most like crude. The Saudis have the largest oil reserves. We're going to break them from the cartel. We're going to bring them into this pre-existing nexus of Israel and the United States that goes all the way back to the Kennedy assassination. And we'll just leave that alone for a second. But they brought them in. And so when it's not really shocking when you see these guys working together, Saudi Arabia helped create Al-Qaeda. And this is right after the Revolution in Iran 79, we roll right into Iran-Contra and right into the freedom fighters in Afghanistan. It, and then at then Iraq and Iran get in a war for eight years. Shortly after that's concluded, the U.S. invades Iraq while it's down in the first Gulf War under a pretext of babies on incubators and it's all lies. It's Tom Lantos and Bush again. His son would start the next one. So that's a little history of what happened in the 80s and 90s. There was a dry run of 9-11 in 1999 of Saudi pilots who tried to get into the cockpit. 
Their flights were paid for by the Saudi state. Mock and Hosh, we call them. And I, I have a video clip of this. I don't have it on hand, but I, this all this is in my film, and I've explained it a million times. But they they act like, oh, we're just we're just trying to get to the bathroom, whatever. Really, both of you at the same time, like it, you were told where it was. They were doing a test run of how easy could you get up and take over the cockpit. And if you're like, oh no, maybe they're just really stupid and never been on a plane in their life, even though they obviously had to have been to have gotten there somehow, but it all fell apart because the rental car that they used to get to the airport was left behind with an Al Qaeda recruiter who did training camps in Afghanistan for Al Qaeda fighters. So it's like, and Robert Mueller and stuff, when the case finally got there, the FBI just was like, Oh, this, this is just a witch hunt because you're anti-diversity and racism or something. And just let them go two years later to September 11th. And a lot of these guys entered the U S with visas from the fast track program out of Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, which never should have happened. There were so many red flags and the main plotter that I just said in that little clip, it was real fast. But I said, look now, well, now we felt Hosby and Khalid Al-Midhar train at an Al Qaeda summit Malaysian uh, meeting in Malaysia, where they met with KSM, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the, the right arm of Osama bin Laden that planned the whole thing is the uncle of Ramsey Youssef. Ramsey Youssef is who bombed the World Trade Center in 1993 with a truck bomb and who plotted the Bojinka plot. This will blow your mind. Guess what it was? To hijack commercial airliners and run them in the buildings. Now, there's no way that you could not understand that if you have Al-Qaeda operatives meeting with the uncle of the World Trade Center attacker <laughs> who made a plot to use commercial airliners and they're going to flight schools that you couldn't imagine they were going to use airplanes and hit the World Trade Center, the exact same thing they attacked last time. Condoleezza Rice actually said that with a straight face. We just didn't imagine they were going to use commercial airliners. I was like, you have the plan from last time that that's what they're going to do. And you know that they're going to flight schools and they're not real interested in learning how to land. And, and it's worse than that. And I don't know how much you wanted me to keep going, but the, not only did the CIA not share this intelligence with the FBI, the FBI ignored its own direct intelligence. They had an informant, an Iranian informant who had gathered intel on Afghanistan. So he knew a lot about these Al Qaeda groups. And because she had, and Sunni don't get along at all. And so he had good intel and he knew when they had entered the United States, he knew that they were going to flight schools. He knew that they were plotting. He told them the whole thing with details and he said it to his special agent in charge. And he said it in front of a translator. And obviously, and he said it to the, the boss for the Washington field office and Mike Figali, who's one of these crooks. And Sibel has a book on it. Just squash the whole thing. So I don't want to hear about it. And it's in there. They're talking about blueprints and, they, and there was supposed to be a follow-up attack of bombing a bridge. And also, by the way, back in 1993, the original plan was to use a rider truck to blow up the side of one tower to have it topple into the other and then blow up the Holland Tunnel and follow it up with anthrax. Well, because the car was parked in the wrong place and the tower didn't fall, they didn't pull off the tunnel. And then even though anthrax was stolen from the labs, it was never mailed to anybody. But in 2001, you have both towers hit by airplanes 
you had a truck bomb pulled over near the George Washington Bridge and the people got arrested. A lot of people don't know this. And then there was an anthrax attack that was initially blamed on Al Qaeda. In fact, they blamed it on Iraq. They said that senior Iraqi officials went to Prague and met with Mohammed Atta, the guy on flight 11, the first plane that hit the north side of the North Tower and said uh, they passed anthrax to him. And then the notes said, death to America, death to Israel. <laughs> like, gee, I wonder who said this. And the Israeli security forces straight up lied and said they witnessed the whole thing. They couldn't have witnessed it because there was no meeting in Prague. Iraq did not have weapons of mass destruction and neither did Al-Qaeda. It got genetically traced back to their own labs in Fort Detrick, Maryland, where they do gain-of-function research on anthrax. Came from Dugway. And in the middle of an AIM-strain anthrax investigation, they went to Ames, Iowa and destroyed all these samples. Francis Boyle, the, the guy that the doctor that wrote the anti-biological terrorism act for Reagan, this is losing his mind. I interviewed him about it. There was no point in this. FISA courts wouldn't give a wouldn't rubber stamp looking into Masali, the 20th hijackers computers. There's so there's such an obvious cover up going on. Now, are you covering up the fact that you're a bunch of screw ups, that the FBI, the CIA, the, all these redundant agencies just failed miserably. That's possible. Do they not share intelligence because they actually are that petty that the FBI, the CIA, and the DEA and all these things, they just like, no, I want to get the guy, not you. I want credit for getting That's totally possible, too. But that the thing is, there is no excuse for, okay, CIA, you didn't share it with the FBI. Okay, FBI, you didn't share it with the CIA. But why didn't you act on your own information? Ah, there is no excuse for that. None. It And then when you go through it, and you see, like Dick Cheney, for example, refusing to give a shoot-down order to hit Flight 77 twice. What, what's the explanation for that? That's not incompetence. They wanted this to happen. They wanted to replace the Cold War with the War on Terror because you're talking about trillions of dollars in budgetary expenditures to go on all these escapades in the Middle East fighting the forever war. And that's what 9-11 was about. So I'll take a breath, let you jump in. Uh, we, I can get the, 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 what happened in New York. It's worse. <laughs> yeah. So are we going to the Israelis next? Or on, oh, yeah. On there's the, so much oh, on them. Yeah. It's so <clears throat> I don't think a lot of people have a lot of love for Saudi Arabia already um, because they Saudi Arabia is also guilty of financing Boko Haram in Nigeria and Al-Shabaab and, and, and ISIS and all these GCC countries are involved that in fact, and UAE is guilty of similar things as well as the RSF and uh, Sudan and <clears throat> is ad nauseum. I think what a lot of, and a lot of people know that Israel occupies Palestine and they lied about Iraq because every pre-war lie about Iraq, it wasn't about the petrodollar. It wasn't oil. I mean, I actually have, have that here, a chart of that. Look who got 77% of their oil imports after the war. It's not the United States. It's the Israelis. I had a cover in case. <laughs> there, there's the word Israel there. I had to lift the paper because they have the censorship, you know. <laughs> America didn't get the oil. Israel did. And I have a chart of the oil exports. And... They don't change between 2002 and 2004. They didn't get a huge increase. In fact, they got a decrease. That's not why they went to war. You can trace back. They went to war legally 
because of weapons of mass destruction. The head of the State Department, Colin Powell, he goes to the UN, he holds up a mock violent anthrax, and he says, you know, Saddam Hussein has mobile weapons labs, and he's making this, in 45 minutes he could hit the UK. And a doctor from the UK went down to inspect that, David Kelly, found out it was BS, goes home and ends up suicided in the woods all by himself, allegedly. And the last person he talked to was through email and was Judith Miller, the woman who's lying about mobile weapons labs in the United States and the New York Times, who also was a love interest of Louis Leibowitz, a lawyer for the Mossad, a lawyer for Mark Rich, and Cheney's chief of staff. And we're wow. going to get into Cheney, too. But that's just... They murdered David Kelly. That's another can of worms. I think your audience probably knows that because it happened in the backyard. But there was this very infamous incident of the dancing Israelis. And I have on the screen there, I'll read it in case it's too small because there's a bunch of blanks. But it says, less than five minutes after the first plane hit, this is minimal, the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Blank comes to the apartment blank and informs blank of the disaster. Blank stands up from painting the baseboard, looks out the window and notices three young men taking video, not just pictures, video and still photographs from atop of the roof of the parking garage adjoining Doric Towers. He also sees a white utility van next to the men and a brown van further behind. There were no other people in the parking lot at this time. These are the dancing Israelis. Now, that is the witness that's not often quoted. The guys working on the billboard. There's actually two of them. The woman that called the police, her name is Maria Septonrelli. She had the binoculars out. She wrote down the license plate. The problem was she didn't call the police until her husband got home. And then he's like, call immediately. They pulled out a bolo, be on the lookout. And they got pulled over on Route 3 in East Rutherford, New Jersey. They caught him, but there were five people in the van. These guys were flicking lighters and celebrating the attack in two different locations, Doric Towers, and then also back at their base of operations, Urban Moving Systems. It was only about four minutes away anyway. They thought it was funny. They were hugging each other, high-fiving, and they're out, you know, standing on the roof like it's a rock concert or something, thought it was great. Now, most people, when the first plane hit, thought it was an accident but not these guys. And here's the kicker. Every single one of them had a different timeline from the other. Now, almost everybody I know who was an adult on 9-11 remembers exactly where they were when they heard the news. But these guys could not get their story straight. So I'm the, I actually I did the FOIAs. I, re I read about 2,000 pages of information on this, and I'm going to boil it down to the... <laughs> The royal screw up to these guys. They all failed their polygraph test and they're all lying to the police. So this is the first guy, Yaren Schmuel. And here's a clip from Empire and Mast about that. One second. Let me just. Systems. There were at least two, possibly three vans stopped by the police on 9-11, and a fourth van was spotted by a journalist. 
One had five individuals and traces of explosives. Another had three individuals and was packed with explosives. A third van got away and a fourth was possibly a diversion. The first van had been spotted in the parking lot of Dork Towers just across the river from the World Trade Centers. Multiple witnesses saw three men in a white urban moving systems van. Two witnesses were together less than five minutes after the first plane hit and they saw three men taking video and still photographs from the roof of the parking garage of Dork Towers. They saw the white utility van and a brown van further behind. No one else was on the roof of the parking lot. One of the witnesses went back to his apartment and looked out the window to see that both towers were on fire. After about five or six minutes, he noticed that both vans had left. Another witness got a call after the first plane hit, but before the second plane hit, about what was happening. So she went to her window and she saw three men celebrating, hugging each other and flicking lighters and giving high fives. She got a good look at them and their van because she had binoculars. She wrote down their license plate, but she did not call the police until after her husband got home. She had also witnessed the men taking video and still photographs from the roof of their van. Another witness did not see the men, but did see their urban moving systems van at Dork Towers at 8 o'clock in the morning. This is long before the first tower was hit. The witness who called the police stated that she went to her window. She saw three men outside celebrating and filming the event. They were happy. They were posing for pictures with the burning towers in the backdrop. One was flicking a lighter as if he was at a rock concert. They even stood on the top of the van to take more pictures and film. This was obviously very disturbing. Film obtained from the 33 millimeter camera of one of the detainees was later developed and processed by the Newark Division. The photos clearly corroborate the witness's statement in that the Israelis are visibly happy on nearly all of the photographs. The explanation for why they were celebrating was that they claim Israel experiences terrorism daily, and so now the U.S. would know how they feel. But everyone thought the first plane was an accident, not an act of terrorism, even according to these Israelis themselves. We heard in the news that one of the planes was uh, crashing down the building, and we thought it was an accident at the beginning. Uh, and we thought it was an accident at the beginning. Uh, so why would they celebrate a plane accident and pose for pictures with a horrible plane crash behind them? It was one of many lies. The FBI put out a bolo of be on the lookout at 3.31 p.m. By 3.56, the van had been pulled over. The three Israelis witnessed dancing and celebrating 9-11 had picked up two more Israelis who were in the back of the van. The timelines given by Sylvan Kersberg, Paul Kersberg, Yarn Schmel, Omar Mamari, and Oned Elner were all over the place. They each had plane tickets to leave the U.S. with immediate travel dates for destinations all over the world. Yarn Schmuel lied to police, not knowing... I want to point out how weird that is, that people that work for a moving company about minimum wage have thousands of dollars stuffed in a sock and they all have plane tickets to go on vacations to places like Australia, India, Germany at a random Tuesday in September. How do you know that your job's about to end on September 11th and that you can go traveling around the world? <laughs> and why do you have all this money? Like, <laughs> And that your boss is going to close down the operation 
they absolutely knew what was going on. And that's why they got caught is all the bridges and tunnels were shut down because of the terrorist attack. And they were trying to get out of there. They had skis in the back. They're ready to, to fly out. And they're going to Europe, Australia, India, and Israel. So this is Yarn Schmuel. I got that from his own LinkedIn. He is such a schmuck. So let's uh, let's hear what he said. He lies to the police immediately. When they had been witnessed at Doric, he told the police that they were in New York, not New Jersey, and on the West Side Highway, that's Route 9A, headed towards the Lincoln Tunnel when the attack occurred, not at Doric Towers. Not only did he lie about where he was, he said, we, thereby covering for all five of them. On his second try during interrogation, he screws up again by saying he got to work at 8.20. He claims he heard about the attack from a co-worker, and then he and blank blank, which has to be Elmer and Sivan, went to Doric sometime between 8.30 and 9 a.m. for about 10 minutes. Now, Doric Towers is only a couple of minutes away from Urban Moving Systems if you drive quickly. I took that route from Urban Moving Systems to Doric myself last April with a New Jersey local. Yarn is trying to make his story sound plausible by saying 8.30, as if he got to work, heard the news, got the cameras and things, knew a good place to go, and then drove there with his buddies. All within 10 minutes, assuming he heard the news just after he got to work, since it happened while he was in New York going through the Lincoln Tunnel. The problem with all of that is, the first plane hit at 8.46, and they were not in New York. They were in Doric Towers in New Jersey. They were witnessed there and photographed there. His timeline will also conflict with his fellow passengers about when he got to work and when they went to Doric Towers. All of their stories are different from one another. Generally, even now, everybody can remember where they were when they heard the news about 9-11, but not these idiots. Yarn also posts publicly that he worked for Octagon Explosives and Security on LinkedIn. 9-11 was such a great day, he decided to get married on 9-11 the following year even though his first child had already been born. He was set to go to Australia. I think Whoa. I ought to show you about the truck bombs as well before I give these other testimonies. There's a lot go of people it. don't remember this, but let's go with the, the George Washington Bridge first. Joining me is Jack Kelly. Now, he is a foreign correspondent he has some information about these attacks. Jack, what can you tell us happened first in New York? Um, apparently what appears to happen is that at the same time two planes hit the building, that, there, that the FBI most likely thinks that there was a car or truck packed with explosives underneath the buildings, which also exploded at the same time and brought both of them down. Now that's the first time we're hearing that. So two planes and explosives that were in the building, is that correct? That is the working theory at this point. That is still unconfirmed. That is what the FBI is going on at this point. Uh, the New York City Police Department has a report <laughs> that the FBI is responding to New Jersey because a truck reportedly uh, loaded with explosives has been stopped by authorities on the road there and um, the men with that truck have been detained. Uh, members of the Joint Terrorist Task Force, according to the New York police officials, are responding to question those people. Um, I want to underline that uh, all the phones uh, to police headquarters and to the FBI uh, from here seem to be disabled. <laughs> they stopped the truck. They found an entire truck full of explosives, and they arrested them, those two men and their explosives. 
are in police custody tonight, and another tragedy has been averted. Still alive in the rubble in and around the World Trade Center. And word late tonight that two suspects are in FBI custody after a truckload of explosives was discovered around the George Washington Bridge. That bridge uh, links uh, New York to New Jersey over the Hudson River. Whether the discovery of those explosives had anything to do with other events of the day is unclear, but the FBI has two suspects in hand, said the truck uh, load of explosives, enough explosives were in the truck to do great damage to the George Washington Bridge. But they arrested the two suspects and they're questioning them as we speak. And that it was near the George Washington Bridge. There were two or three men who were in the van. The van was pulled over. Uh, it is not clear why the van was pulled over, but when it was, uh, law enforcers found uh, uh, tons of explosives inside of the van. George Washington Bridge, Marsha. Well, you know, Todd, it's really an amazing thing. Most of New York City's rescue operations and their police and fire departments have been concentrating their actions down in lower Manhattan, where the planes, two planes, hit the two towers of the World Trade Center. But some very um, intelligent and aggressive cops also stopped another terrorist attack from happening on the George Washington Bridge. CBS2 has learned exclusively that two men are in custody tonight after being arrested at the George Washington Bridge with an entire truckload of explosives. The FBI has now put out a nationwide APB all points bulletin for a white Chevy van with New Jersey registration. Written on the back is Urban Moving Systems. Yeah. You remember the opening of the first clip? <laughs> Urban Moving Systems. That's them. Wow. Urban Moving Systems is one of six moving companies. I don't know if this is the first time you're hearing this. A lot of people right now are like, why didn't I know this? I've been hearing 9-11 movies for 10 years or 15 years. I'm like, yeah, you've been seeing the same one over and over again that obsesses with physics and nano thermite or whatever bull crap it's and it's because there was a disinformation a professional disinformation campaign out there and blowhards like alex astrotard jones running his mouth about bavarian death cults and the illuminati nwo part compartmentalized globalist luciferian blah, 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 that just gets you barking up the wrong tree and acting like look this isn't rocket surgery we had a foreign state Filming the event, celebrating it, and driving around in trucks full of bombs. I mean, god damn. <laughs> They're guilty. And you don't know because if you didn't know, you didn't know because Jonestown, 8911, Judy Wood, Jim Fester, all these charlatans got you running around in circles talking about absolute crap for 22 years now. And there's more. Let's get it. I'll show you some more. And I want everyone to pay attention to bombs in the basement. Now, listen, they did not put a bomb on every floor. You don't need to. What, what happened with, if I'll talk about the physics real short here. Airplanes and fire did the majority of the damage. They had a crew that had gone in from at least September 5th that went and sabotaged the fire prevention systems which maximize the damage done by the fire. And then there is evidence of people, uh, of truck bombs, just like the first World Trade Center bombing, in the parking garage below, like the basement level, where they hit the columns below. So a little shake there, and that'll do it. And here's live reports strung together of 
Police finding suspicious device in a van and the subways full of smoke and the bombs they're hearing. The boom, boom, boom they're hearing is the cars in the parking lot being their gas tanks blown up. But right, here we go is close to the scene of that attack, Pat. Uh, just moments ago, uh, I spoke to the chief of safety for the New York City Fire Department. He received word of the possibility of a secondary device, that is another bomb going off. Uh, he tried to get his men out as quickly as he could, but he said that there was another explosion which took place. And then an hour after the first hit here, with the first crash that took place, he said uh, there was another explosion that took place uh, in one of the towers here. According to his theory, he thinks that there were actually devices that were planted in the building. The second device he thinks, he speculates, was probably planted in the building. That's what some hit, people are saying. Now, the I, base was, of the South Tower. I was under the impression that it was just the actual collapse of the building, but some people are speculating that. I mean, I didn't want to say that because... Are we Maybe they had that. That was an incredible. That was an incredible explosion. Uh, and that does not cause from a. I, I agree with you. I think it was a third plane. But again, oh, no, it could have been have, something. It could have been something that was planted or, or a bomb planted yeah. in the building. But as soon as I got outside, I heard a second explosion and another rumble. And then a fire marshal came in and said we had to leave because if there was a third explosion, this building might not last. And you were working there? Yes, yes I was right there. I was in the. I was down in the basement came down all of a sudden the elevator blew up smoke i dragged the guy out his skin was hanging off and i dragged him out they saw an airliner going to one of those towers then uh an hour later than that we had that big explosion from much much lower i don't know what on earth caused that we've heard reports of second explosions after the aircraft impacted whether in fact there wasn't something else at the base of the towers that in fact were the coup de grace to bring them to the ground do we have do we have jim smith available on microphone from chopper two as he takes these pictures jim yes i, I am here michael jim tell us tell us what's happening out there oh my we just gosh. witnessed some kind of secondary uh, follow-up explosion on the world trade center number two the one that is on the south that is difficult to make out as effective as a bomb being dropped there, there were two bombs in effect. Commercial airliners flown into those two buildings and they came down. We presume because of the initial explosion, there may have been secondary explosions as well that were detonated in the building by these terrorists. That would put us about a block and a half away from uh, the site of where the explosion was. That area has just been uh, evacuated because uh, police have found what they described as a suspicious device and they fear that it might be something that could lead to uh, another explosion. Obviously, there, there, there's a real sense of caution here on the part of police. I spoke with some police officials moments ago, Chris, and they told me that they have reason to believe that one of the explosions at the World Trade Center, aside from the ones that may have been caused by the impact of the plane with the building, may have been caused by a van that was parked in the building that may have had some type of explosive device in it. So their fear is that there may have been explosive device planted either in the building or in the adjacent area. Okay, I'm okay, all right? Okay, all right, so this is redundant because it's just more, more of that, right? More, bam, it was, you know, from below, blah, blah, blah. They think there was a secondary explosion. That's the gist of, I mean, I'm not going to make you watch the whole thing, but it's just that, 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 that. Well, the Sanchez one right there and the Pat Dawson one in the beginning, when they say 
police found an explosive device in a van. And that's exactly how they attacked it in 1993 with truck bombs. Then you have somebody driving around in a van that gets pulled over full of explosives. And then we find out, gee, there's a bunch of Israelis that thought this attack was super cool and celebrated it that worked for moving companies full of vans. And lo and behold, these vans had access to the tower. I'm going to show you that in a minute, too. But we'll go back up and, and I will reiterate how they all lie about their timeline. And then I'm going to show you <laughs> some really mind-blowing thing where men got arrested for doing illegal work in the World Trade Centers. And it, it's just, oh, and by the way, all this, if you think, well, there was a hectic day. Maybe they just got the information wrong about this van bomb or whatever. No, because the next day they are questioning Giuliani, who was the mayor of New York at the time, and Bernard Carrick, who's the police commissioner in New York at the time who later went to jail for 10 years for fraud and working with organized crime as you do. Oh, he, they are admitting They go, what happened to the people, you know, detained in the van full of bombs, the George Washington bridge. And they're saying they're in, they're in police custody and we can't talk about it. They didn't say what guys, what bomb, what van. They just said, we're, we can't talk about that, but they're in police custody. They admit the whole thing. Bernard Carrick, by the way, Flew to Israel in August 26th to 29th. This is, you know, less than two weeks before September 11th. Met with Atin Wertheimer, the richest man in Israel, billionaire, who sits on the board of governors of the Jewish agency, which is exactly who hired the people in the moving companies admitted by the moving company employees in their interrogation. And he got a half million dollar loan they went through an intermediary named steve whitkoff who's a marble dealer and there may be some association there with gambino and gfsa i'm gonna get on that but um because i like visiting new york and i'm more scared of the mob than i am (laughs) 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 he got this huge loan he did go to jail anyway but um so we can get into it so the next is oded elmer this is the one that had all the money, like $4,700 that he had in some pouch. Uh, so let's listen to his testimony. Remember the first one said, oh, we're on the West Side Highway. No, you weren't. Oh, we got there around 830. No, you didn't. <laughs> now let's see what he says. Oded Eldner, who had $4,700 stuffed in a sock-like patch, tried to lie to police about stopping for gas and that he learned of the first explosion by telephone at 8 a.m. The problem being the first plane crash wasn't until 8.46 a.m. He must have been a little nervous. And Elner was set to immediately leave for Germany. What a coincidence that their working holiday ended for all five men, all set to go to different places in the world on the same day at a random Tuesday in September. Perhaps his greatest slip-up was saying you could only see one side of one tower from urban moving systems. So they moved to another spot with a full view of both towers so that they could document the event. Why is it necessary to see the full length of both towers unless you're expecting a plane to hit the other tower? They had already planned their vantage point before the attack began. Maps in their van when they were arrested had highlighted the World Trade Centers and Doric Towers. Now there were Israelis on the roof of urban moving systems taking pictures too. 
but Elmer was not among them. He was definitely at Dwork Towers because he's in those photographs. Yep. So he's a liar. And that's a real big screw up. Why do you need to see the full length of both towers? Are you expecting something to happen to the other one? It's insane, isn't it? I had no yeah. idea about the truck that got stopped with the explosives. Oh, there's four of those. I'm not I'm not even started. Like <laughs> <laughs> that there's another one in Liberty State Park. And by the way, their own van, the guys I'm showing their interrogation, had traces of explosive. They pulled it out to the in the Meadowlands. They took a it was like a, a store that sold sporting goods, and that just became the temporary HQ to, for the um the bomb squad. And the dogs got explosive residue um out of that van which is weird why do you what do you move around tnt for a client or something i mean <laughs> and that by the way that's not dogs know what that is way it's not like oh is it this drug or that drug or that no 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 they definitely know when there's rdx or tnt there's a very even a person can almost smell that like the dogs definitely nailed it and it just fits with the whole picture of the entire events of the day and this is a long story i mean 9 11 is complicated and this is why i have a five-hour movie about it and which we're trying to redo because if you saw in some of those clips it looks all pixelated and stuff because that's from my vcr off of tv <laughs> and from back back when it happened and so i and you know when i made a movie i'm not a movie making person i'm a researcher i shouldn't be doing the movie but you know i had to no i was the only person that had the intel so i made this film and it's my dream to remake this film with like crisp clips and you know be able to zoom in and highlight the papers and stuff because we I just hire people to do that now and so that's something i'm working on i actually have a give sin go it's the same it's a a Christian outfit that Kyle Rittenhouse used and I'm banned on everything else. I can't use GoFundMe or Kickstarter or any of that stuff. Givesingo.com slash nine eleven. And we're over we're like sixty percent financed already. But this is the thing is I want to take this film I did with all these documents and make it into a proper movie the way we did New Mech and some other previous films I've done. Because this is one of my oldest films is September eleventh. This is why everybody wanted you to talk to me about this a long time ago. This is like when I didn't know what I was doing on the movie side, just the research side. So that's something we're trying to do. And we can hit all of these. If you want, Savan is going to lie. Paul Kersberg is going to lie. Omari is going to lie. And I believe that's the one where it shows how all these moving systems get connected. Irving moving systems was run by a man named Dominic Suter and Ornette Livingston, his wife. It was a front company. Clearly. And a moving company is an ideal way to spy on, I don't know, hijackers, let's say, or terrorist suspects, because you can just park it on any street and you can even have a couple guys go and start moving boxes around or whatever. And it acts as a listening man to wherever you want, whoever you want to listen to. It's not that suspicious. So why is that there? It's all over well, there moving things or something. And you're going to find out that the FBI did know a little bit about these companies because you'll see something very sus that the Miami field division field office 
contacted Newark, which is Newark, like Newark, New Jersey, um, about an Al Qaeda suspect using one of these moving companies wow. to go from Florida back to the <laughs> Northeast. And so not only are they listening in on these people, they gave him a ride. They helped, they gave him logistical support. God. Yeah. God, it's right. These people absolutely knew what was going down, what the plot was, shielded them from local authorities. That's the real Israeli art student ring. And this, some woman made a movie called Decade of Deception, which is one letter different than a movie I made called Decades of Deception, which <laughs> grabbed all the Google stuff about this ridiculous gelatin team B crap about Israeli art students that had nothing to do with the real events. But then what happens is when anybody Googles Israeli art students, it goes to that BS because it got amplified by Jonestown and all that. And now they can no longer find the true story about the art students. The real story wow. about the Israeli art students is they were spying on the DEA because as you may know, the DEA is a lot scarier than the CIA. The DEA is the one that really gets the informants on the ground and, and you know infiltrates the cells and things, mostly with cartels in Mexico and stuff. But they knew when someone enters the country illegally and doing some kind of criminal organization, the DEA is going to have the goods. They're the ones with the informants. And they were being spied on by the Israelis anyway because Israel is protecting its ecstasy trade. <laughs> $40 million on both coasts. That's $80 million. They eventually did get busted. And the DEA is the one that comes down on the drugs. <clears throat> As you know, <laughs> you may know. <laughs> hey, you know, but this, this is a state operation. This wasn't like some individual. This is not Sammy the Bull or someone else. This was a state-sponsored operation because the narcotic money creates black budgets for black operations. And they already had a cell in place doing this. And so when they got wind of the Al Qaeda plot, because they had followed them around in Hamburg and Yemen, they knew, and they followed them to the U S they passed it over to a pre-existing cell to shield them from local authorities. Now the Israelis have been doing this for a long time when they are stealing secrets from the United States, the ADLs done this, they've been spying on police departments. They've been caught doing this. They got caught in a case in uh, in California where they were shielding drug dealers and things. And the same thing happened here. They had a back door to wiretaps so they would know the telecommunications processes and be able to warn the cohorts ahead of time and make them basically stay two steps ahead of law enforcement. So they were shielding, protecting Al Qaeda members from local mm. authorities to make sure they got on these planes. And this is why you see when I said earlier, why is there a guy allegedly on flight 93 who just so happened to have a first cousin? In fact, he had two cousins who worked for Israeli intelligence spying on Hezbollah, <laughs> Zaid Al-Jara. But don't worry, Zaid Al-Jara was definitely on the plane because... <laughs> Because they found his passport in the debris. So that's proof. <laughs> but wow. I'll tell you why he wasn't on the plane. Because if you listen and you can, no, you know, at the least you can read the transcripts of the Masawi trial that has the black box. So they did find the black box of Flight 93. 
and all these kooks that like there's no plane there's just a little hole in the mountain shut up this isn't like a normal plane crash where they put the land and landing gear and land at an angle they spiked it full speed in the ground on purpose so it's going to look like more like when a plane hits a mountain that didn't see or something just barely anything but they did find the black box it was intact we know what they said and we have the air phone calls and every single one of the air phone calls every single witness mentions three hijackers not four and Mm -hmm. in the black box even the hijackers themselves are not calling the pilot Ziad Al-Jara. They're talking about Al-Gamdi, who is a different muscle on the plane. Which me, And you know they know who's flying, obviously. Zaid never speaks. Not even Allah Akbar or anything. So either he just decided not to fly, just get on the plane. You know what? You fly the plane, Al-Gamdi. I'm just going to be the muscle today, even though that's not the plan. And yeah, I'm just going to sit quiet through the whole flight. No, the Israeli, the guy with the Israeli spies was also an Israeli spy and he ditched the ramp crew and left the three hanging. And that's why, probably why they couldn't pull it off. There was one in the cockpit and only two guarding the door and the passengers charged up and took down the plane. Now there's been a consorted effort to say that story didn't happen, that it was shot down out of the air and the passengers didn't do that. And there's no black box. Well, yes, there was a black box. They, there's been a consorted effort on the Pentagon too. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, that a missile hit that. That wasn't a plane. Because if you don't have a plane, then you don't have the hijackers on the plane, which goes back to all. Now we felt how many Khalid al who were getting money from the Saudi Arabia. Like it just showed that all disappears. Not only that, but the vice president, Dick Cheney, and this is in testimony to the nine 11 commission from Norman Mineta, the transportation sec- secretary was in the POC bunker along with others. Who had who has this account of Dick Cheney being told, "Hey, the plane's thirty miles out. It's twenty miles out. Do the orders still stand?" He whips his neck around, and says, "Of course, the orders still stand." He heard otherwise. He's talking about Flight Seventy Seven, and we know he's talking about that because Norman Mineta told Lee Hamilton, "Are you talking about Flight Seventy Seven? Yes, the one that hit the Pentagon. Clearly, it's not Flight Ninety Three. He's talking about that." Hanji Hanjor came in at too high an altitude. So this is where they screwed up. He couldn't hit the Pentagon because he's too high in the air. So he had to circle around. And this is just a regular circle. This isn't some Top Gun corkscrew weirdo thing. That's another Jonestown distraction. He does this miles-long circle, comes in again at a lower altitude, and hit the first floor of the Pentagon. And that is evidenced by debris from the plane, passengers on the plane still in their seat, dental records, DNA from every single person on flight 77, except for the baby, including the hijackers. And it's sitting at Walter Reed. Well-documented. All these assholes that deny a plane stuff like, okay, you're letting Cheney off the hook, which lets the U S government off the hook. You're letting the Saudis off the hook. And you sound like a fucking retard. <laughs> you're just making nine 11 research seem like something for kooks that think the moon's made of cheese it's that level of stupid there is no reason for a switcheroo all the evidence fits a plane hitting the building it is not some miraculous thing to hit the first floor of a building it's just like landing a plane on the runway except you don't put the landing gear down and you don't slow down you just hit the wall and i i swear i hate having to do this but 
Griffin and and uh, and the charlatans like Gage and Loose Change and stuff. Like, well, there's no way that a soft-nosed cone of a Boeing 757 could go through six reinforced walls of steel and concrete. Nah, 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 nah. All right, dildo. There aren't six walls of steel and concrete. The rings that you see in an aerial photograph of the Pentagon are only of the upper floors. The lower floors don't have rings, and neither do the basements. The plane hit the first floor, which means it went through one wall, and then the landing gear went through the C-ring. And, the, and all in between, just a bunch of sheetrock and wood. It was made of bricks. It was not reinforced with steel. That's not That part of the story is not true either. Like Everything they say about Flight 77, it was a lie. And there's no way that this was just people being stupid. This is intentional. I mean, you know it's intentional. Because of the degree that it was all put out everywhere at the same time with the same BS. The fact that every single photograph used in the movie Loose Change doesn't show you the first floor of the building. They angled every single one to show like water going across the picture or you know, fire truck parked in the way, whatever. They only show you the hole in the second floor. And then they want to pretend like, look, there's only an 18-foot hole. There's no way a plane fit in there. Like I agree. But I don't agree that it's only an 18-foot hole. That's why I showed in uh, in the first video for no reason. I just showed a hole in the Pentagon just because people have never seen it. It's a giant, big, 90-foot hole. Oh, it's in the one with the Saudis. Urban moving <laughs> systems. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a plane-sized hole, plane hit, and it's very important to admit this because if you don't, besides just appearing completely stupid you are exonerating the vice president it is very important to admit that the vice president of the united states the second highest position in the land refused to shoot down the plane and then lied about it and tried to say oh i was talking about flight 93 well if you're talking about flight 93 what's it 30 miles away from it wasn't 30 miles away from anything yeah there you go there's a picture of the pentagon the second and the first floor. See all that black on the bottom? That's a yeah. hole where an airplane went in there. <laughs> and it's True. like, I, I swear to you, like I'm not even a tenth of the way through 9-11. I'm given all this information on very specific names, intelligence agencies and everything. And all any jerk wants to do is argue about the hole in the Pentagon. And, and I'm just I'm like, this is where we are. 22 years after 9-11, you're still arguing about whether or not there were airplanes. Th that's why we lose right there well it's uh, it sounds like we're gonna have to do 10 episodes ryan because we've run out of time for this episode right. <laughs> well i'll um, we'll just pause it there on elner and um yeah there's so tell, much more than 9 11 but tell the viewers mm. where they can find you and support you i have a i actually have a twitter now knock on wood <laughs> it's <laughs> at rye liberty r y and then liberty and my website is the anti-neocon report just ancreport.com but if, what i'd love everybody to do if you have like what you'd spend on a coffee tomorrow if you can donate that to givesingo.com slash 911 i'm gonna make the best 911 film and put it out for free is the world should know all this information I have made movies. I've put them out for free. They got, you know, they got banned on YouTube, banned on everything, banned on everything. But I want to redo this one because 
unfortunately, a lot of people, it doesn't matter how good the content is or what, what you're saying. If it's not packaged the right way, they're going to watch two seconds of scratchy audio and just go, ah, that's it. So the research is done. I just have to hire somebody to do all the visuals. And that's what we're, the campaign is on Gibson go. And yeah, we could have this done within a month, especially with this, with your audience. I'll get it done. Like, look, I, I deliver. I delivered on the Jeffrey case and others. And this is something I'm very passionate about. I, I used to know 9-11 a lot better than I do now around, you know, 2016, 17, 18. I've forgotten a lot, actually. But in rewatching my own films and getting Twitter back, which gave me all these opportunities and Atwood, Fresh and Fit, love these Sneeko. I'm suddenly able to to return. You know, it wasn't worth it before. Put years of work into something, ten people will watch. You know, it's not worth it. Now we're on the offense. I'm back, and everyone ought to know what happened in 9/11. And if we if we do another show on it, they need to know how that got tied to Iraq and how awful that was. Is that hundreds of thousands of people died in that war? Six thousand Americans. You could quadruple that because of veteran suicides. It was an absolute disaster. And the people responsible never were held accountable. They act like it's just a bunch of mistakes and oil interests and that. mm -mm, It's way worse than that. Really appreciate you spending time with us. I love that old footage as well. That was absolutely fascinating. So if you're watching this, viewers, please support Ryan's important work. He's back with a vengeance, like he said. And we'll put the links below this video. And take care wherever you are in the world. Look forward to continuing this series with Ryan. Thanks for watching. Until next time, we'll see you then. then.